St. Augustine once said, God had one son on earth without sin, but never one without suffering. Welcome to the 69th episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because if there's one thing that connects all of us to each other, it's our suffering. So let's take care of each other along the way to heaven. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dimpna's Mentions. First up, the importance of forgiveness for one's own mental health. We hear about how important it is for us to forgive others. I mean, if you take the Our Father at its word, it's literally a matter of everlasting life or death. But have you ever considered the impact forgiveness can have on your own health? According to Johns Hopkins Medicine, chronic anger puts you in a fight or flight mode, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels, leading to improved health. Studies have found that people uh, who are naturally more forgiving uh, end up having more satisfied lives and have less depression, anxiety, stress, anger, and hostility. People who hang on to grudges, however, are more likely to experience severe depression, PTSD, as well as other health conditions. But that doesn't mean they can't train themselves to act in healthier ways. The following steps can help you develop a more forgiving attitude and benefit from better emotional and physical health. First, reflect and remember. Take that time to think back empathize with the other person like put yourself in their shoes forgive deeply one study found that people whose forgiveness came in part from understanding that no one is perfect were able to resume a normal relationship with that other person even if the other person never apologized let go of expectations decide to forgive make it a decision Forgive yourself. For instance, if you had a spouse who had an affair, recognize that the affair is not a reflection of your worth. So let's pray together that we can receive the grace from God we need to make the choice to live a life filled with forgiveness and free from resentment. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. On to the next topic, I received a question that I thought might be helpful for a lot of us to hear about. I'm moving next month and will need to leave my first therapist. Do you have any suggestions for things I should do before I end my sessions with this therapist and any tips for finding a new one? So first, let's pray for all of us who may be on the lookout for a new therapist that God's providence may lead us to finding a therapeutic relationship that will be exactly what we need when we need it. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Let me start by saying how awesome it is that you're involved in therapy and looking to continue once you move. It's just such an an amazing blessing that you reached out for help, and you're such a wonderful example of what strength and perseverance looks like, so thank you. 
Since you've had a good relationship with your current therapist, it might be worth it to do an overview of how far you've come in your work with them. One thing I've noticed is that uh, most of us think that we've barely made any movement toward good mental health during our time in therapy, but our therapists remember quite well how we were doing when we first came in and began, and they can often walk us through our treatment, through our symptoms, through what we've learned to cope with, etc., and provide a really helpful and positive summary of what we've accomplished. It can be quite nice for both you uh, and really for your therapist too, to review and to see just how far you've come. Not only does it make you feel like you've worked hard to move forward toward your goal, but also it encourages you to keep going on with the good work. So when it comes to looking for a new therapist, I have a couple pieces of advice. First, paying more money for someone doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be better for you. Be willing to go through your insurance or your Medicaid if you don't have private insurance to see what options they have. It'll be way less costly than a private practice therapist that you'd be paying full price out of pocket for, and they'll likely be just as good. Second, it's important to remember that the relationship is a huge part of the thing that does the healing in therapy. So one, don't feel bad if you just don't mesh with a therapist and feel free to try someone else. And two, remember that you should be looking out for therapeutic modalities that best align with your personality and the way you see the world. Cognitive behavioral versus interpersonal, for example. Hop online and start looking into different modalities and then find someone you can work with who uses that modality and works with people experiencing what you're walking through. Best of luck on the new move. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm here to introduce you to St. Angela of Feligno. Born in 1248 in Umbria, Angela was born into a wealthy family, married at an early age, and had several children. Most reports of her at the time focus on her fondness for worldly pleasures. When she was 40, however, everything changed. She had a vision of St. Francis of Assisi and came to understand how chasing after life's pleasures left her feeling empty inside. Three years after this experience, her mother died, and just a few months later, her husband and all her children died as well. She gave away all of her possessions and joined the Third Order of St. Francis in 1291. She grew in holiness, eventually started a community of Third Order women. She had a vision of Jesus on Christmas Day in 1308 saying he'd be coming for her soon, and she died nine days later with her friends at her side. Angela is an awesome example for all of us of how it's never too late. We're never too far gone to turn away from the world and turn back to the Lord. And as I see 40 on the horizon just like her, that's pretty darn inspiring. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer. St. Angela, you led a life of selfishness and sin before making a confession that changed your life forever. Pray that more people may be led to the sacrament of reconciliation to receive God's mercy and healing. St. Angela, you believed in a life spent in penance, prayer, and service to neighbor. Pray that we may devote ourselves to others with selfless generosity and out of love of God. St. Angela, you are called a teacher to the theologians. Intercede for us this day that we may come to know Christ through the grace and wisdom of the Gospels. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter Therapy.
Paul gets us started. I'm horrified of loss. It interrupts some of my happiest moments with my wife or kids. Knowing one day I'll die or get sick or they will. I get the memento mori idea uh, and that spiritual goodness can come from it. But inevitable future death and loss frightens me. And I don't know how to strike a balance between the healthy remembering that this life ends and the dread of it. Let's all join together in praying for Paul for peace in his heart and all of our hearts as we experience thoughts of our own mortality and the mortality of those we love. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Let's start with the piece about Memento Mori because this isn't the first time I've received a question that focuses on that. It's so very important to remember that the Catholic faith holds a seemingly infinite number of different spiritualities within it, and each of us finds a good fit with different ones. Some love the rosary, others have trouble with it. Some love novenas, others can't imagine remembering to do something for nine days straight. And it's the same with Memento Mori. Some find a great motivation by contemplating their death, uh, and it helps them to order their lives correctly. And others are overcome with anxiety and stress at the thought of their death and the death of those around them. And if that's where you find yourself, you should absolutely avoid the practice. Our spirituality of choice is meant to bring us closer to Jesus, closer to his church, closer to holiness. And it's meant to bring us peace in our hearts. If we're trying something that ends up pulling us further away because of anxiety or concern, it isn't for us. And that's okay. Now, the fact that these thoughts and worries are interrupting your ability to enjoy your normal everyday life is something that should give us pause. This is one of those main ways that we can know it's probably time for us to reach out for help. When we're unable to go about our normal lives without this stress or worry, when it pulls us out of being able to enjoy our time with our wife and our kids, reaching out for help is important because this fear of loss and death can very easily become an obsession an intrusive thought that comes into our mind and requires us to do something, which would be a compulsion, to help ease the anxiety we experience because of that thought. And while we make a temporary relief, in this case, usually by our own mental compulsion of something like saying to ourselves, hey, my wife and I are healthy, my kids are fine, death is a long way off. This actually gives the intrusive thought more power, makes it more frequent and more serious. And a therapist can help uh, help you to allow that anxiety to come and resist engaging in a compulsion like that thus taking the power away from the thought and freeing you from your worry over time. So we'll keep up the prayer, man. Anonymous is up next. About five years ago, I had to remove my children and myself from a bad situation in order to protect them and preserve my mental health and physical health. At that time, I had a very strong support system at our parish and within our homeschool co-op, and my circle of Catholic friends either disappeared or seemed bent on fraternal correction as they were not aware of how bad it had gotten at home and assumed I was just tired of being faithful to my marriage and the vows I made in the church. To make a long story short, I still attend Mass, but I've severed ties with everything that is culturally Catholic and I do not believe there's a place for me within the church community. I miss the days that the church was a source of peace for me, but my experience means I often leave Mass or finish my prayers more angry and more hopeless than when I started. I know my relationship with the church is damaged, but I have no clue how to begin rebuilding it outside of just continuing my prayer life and attending Mass. How do I start rebuilding my relationship with the church 
and by extension God, when I am still actively dealing with the fallout from all of this. Please um, join me in prayer for Anonymous and everyone who has faced similar traumatizing situations, that the peace of Christ may come into their hearts and that the Catholic community they find can be unconditionally loving and supportive. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Well, first off, I want to say how sorry I am that you had to experience a situation like this. It's so absolutely unfair that you were placed in a situation where you and your children were unsafe. And I want to say how amazing it is that you were able to recognize the situation and take steps to keep yourself and your children safe. That is a beautiful witness and sign of strength. Next, I want to apologize for the sad reaction you received from your Catholic community. It, it's just an absolute shame that you were treated that way, especially during a time when you needed the support more than ever. Third, I have to say again what a beautiful witness you are to all of us that you've continued to engage in your faith, even though you know it may be less than you would wish or, or it may be like not having the desired outcome if we had more control over the situation that we would choose. But just the fact that you would stay even that close to Jesus and his church after all you've been through is just, it's flat out incredible. I realize that you uh, probably know that you did nothing wrong and there's nothing preventing you from being able to begin a full sacramental life again other than all the emotional feelings that go along with everything you've been through. After a good confession, it sounds to me like you'd be able to engage as much as you'd like once you're ready, right? But I would also remind you that God is patient. He's happy to take his time with us, meet us where we're at. And you know, he understands better than any of us why we feel the way that we do. So be at peace knowing that he loves you and he'll be ready when you're ready. Rebuilding your relationship with the church is likely to take time. So remember, please be patient with yourself. As far as working on forgiveness and letting go of anger toward the church, you can consider working through it with a therapist or, you know, there's always the cheaper alternative of looking up anger workbooks and finding one that might work for you. It could be an option that would be a good first step. For the sake of everyone listening in the hopes that we can be more supportive to people like Anonymous when they come into our lives, I want to share this. In Matthew 5, 31 through 32, Jesus states, It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So this teaching of Jesus may be one that sounds hard to our modern ears, but it's unequivocally true, and we have to strive to follow it as best we can. However, the idea that this teaching from our Lord is a command to stay in a relationship even when things are unsafe for one of the partners or the children is a dangerous one. And that needs to be a realization that we need people to understand for the sake of our sisters and brothers. In fact, the Catholic Church doesn't teach that we have to stay in our marriages no matter what. Canon 1153 of the Code of Canon Law states, A spouse who occasions grave danger of soul or body to the other or to the children or otherwise makes the common life unduly difficult provides the other spouse with a reason to leave either by a decree of the local ordinary the bishop or if there is danger in delay even on his or her own authority 
We're left to balance the words of Christ and the teachings of the church and apply both to our own lives and circumstances when making the best decision for ourselves and our family. So on the one hand, we can agree with the church when it teaches that divorce is a grave offense against the natural law. It claims to break the contract to which the spouses freely consented to live with each other until death. In paragraph 2384 of the Catechism, that's where that one comes from, while at the same time affirming that abusive relationships are not something God wants us to be a part of, and that the church provides a path for those who need to get out in order to maintain safety. As Catholics, we are a both and people. And this idea of the permanence of marriage and the priority of safety within relationships is one of those both ends that we have to work hard to understand and share for the sake of our sisters and brothers, and as you can see, for the sake of their relationship with God. A different anonymous wraps us up. I've recently re recently realized that my relationship with my father has caused me to put up walls and therefore keep me from seeing God as a loving father. How do I grow closer to God and see him as a kind, loving father when my own father has hurt me? Let's pray for anonymous here and everyone going through the difficult work of trying to experience God as a loving father when their only example of a father, their father here on earth, was less than ideal. May our guardian angel help us along this journey. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. It's so hard that God has decided to mediate his love for us through other human beings, to leave us with examples of God's love and who God is that are less than ideal. I know he's all-knowing, and I'm sure he has his reasons, but when we find ourselves in difficult relationships with people who should be showing us what God is all about, I do have my questions about his plans. When we've lived through an experience where our Father has hurt us, where our relationship with our Father has become broken, even for our own safety's sake, it can make it pretty difficult to talk about God in those fatherly terms and feel any kind of love and comfort over the idea. And so, a couple of ideas, similar to my thoughts about Catholic spirituality from earlier. Remember that God is an infinite being with infinite ways of relating to us. In Christ, God is our brother, our teacher, our master, our model, our example, our friend. It may be helpful to grow in devotion to one of these ways of relating to God, so that you can continue to grow close to him without the negative connotations your past relationship brings up with you. Second, I would pray to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Ask her to lead you to God however she pleases. She can bring us close to God in ways we can't even imagine. And trusting in her may be the key to moving you closer to a relationship with him. Please, please know that we're all praying for you. And we're counting on God to show you the way. May his providence lead you exactly where you need to go. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna. 